Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. You know, so after we started recording, I thought of something. Uh, I've been listening to some other podcasts lately and you know you know what thing we used to do we've gotten out of the habit of doing that i've missed doing what's that is is the cold open uh-huh. just well, there you go just doing the chatter maybe this will count i i, I think I, it does i don't I know think it, it certainly suffices i don't know we could talk about i mean it's been it's been a couple weeks since we recorded and thanksgiving has happened in the interim mm-hmm. um for those that might be listening to this in the future far future mm-hmm. i don't know it's uh thanksgiving 2018 we were talking about how was your thanksgiving uh it was fantastic we just did a, a low-key thing we uh we went to lunch at uh indian buffet up on devon which is a few blocks Beautiful. north of us in chicago that's like little india here in chicago so we went up there and then we walked down to a grocery store and we got some uh food to make dinner at home that night so an Indian-inspired lunch, and then that night we did like a mix of, of Indian food and leftover Korean food from uh, H Mart, which is our favorite Korean grocery store out in Niles that, that we've started. Um, yeah, ate ourselves silly. Uh, then had dinner Friday night with a couple of friends. Um, then we had another celebration last night. And then we're going out to dinner. That's right. right. Right after we get done recording this. We are. We were originally going to do that on Friday, but uh, unfortunately, uh, Jess was, was dealing with a migraine, so we didn't. We weren't able to make it happen, but uh, tonight it will be a different story. Um, How about you? Yeah. Uh, ours was, you know, as is usual, kind of dominated by, by family, in a good way. Um, Jess's family, you know, lives fairly close in the suburbs, uh, and so for the past few years, we've gone out there for Thanksgiving. Um but this, I mean, this is our sixth Thanksgiving together um, as a couple, um, you know, second as, as, as married couple and then first as parents. Um, and so the dynamics have certainly shifted a bit. Um, you know, obviously we take a back seat to, to Hattie as the family passes her around and, you know, tries to make her laugh uh, and whatnot. Um, but it was, it was a really good time, you know, good food. Uh, Jess actually ran a 5k that morning, um, that the family usually does. I've done it a couple times before, but, um, not the past couple of years because now I'm old, broken down and fat. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> which is another podcast coming from the Fates Wide Wheel Network. Yeah. Right. Um, I've actually lost a few pounds, but anyway, uh, no, um, it was good. It was really nice. And then we came back and we, you know, I, I, I feel almost guilty about this, but we've had a tradition the past couple of years where we hit up Target. Um, and of course, as, as the years have gone by, they open progressively earlier and earlier. And uh, this year they were open at 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving. Um, so we went ahead and hit thanks, uh, hit Target up real quick for their sales and, and picked up a couple of gifts for uh, friends and family. Um as well as a copy of Incredibles 2, which we haven't seen yet. So, you know, we just we just did a blind buy. You know, I figured, well, how could we go wrong, right? We haven't either. I saw that and I thought about it, but then I remembered we live in the future and we have streaming. And, we, and we just buy it. We just buy it online. 
Well, as you know from the, the size of my collection, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a nerd for having the physical media um, and, and add the special features and, and all that jazz. Oh, for sure. Which is another reason why I, you know, I'm, Mill Creek has just really done a disservice because there are some excellent special features, including, of course, subtitles. For the hearing impaired, which um, yes, yeah. <laughs> but I but I digress. You know, it's funny because I, I as as you know I mentioned physical media. I'm looking over right now. It's sort of my wall of DVDs and Blu-rays, and I have the complete series of the Twilight Zone on Blu-ray, and I cannot think of honestly, in some ways, a finer presentation of, of a sort of a vintage television show, a show that was not produced in the last, let's say, you know, 10, 12 years or so, uh, than The Twilight Zone. The, the, the amount uh, of special features, I mean, some of the episodes literally have two different audio commentaries on it. Um, uh-huh. And the really neat thing is, is that on a few episodes, what they've done is they've called um, snippets of audio interviews with some of the actors or talent that was involved, the writers or even Rod Serling. Obviously, they you know were no longer living, so they couldn't participate. But they've called like snippets of interviews and patched them together to serve as like an audio commentary. Um, you know, some behind the scenes documentaries, uh, some some like audio uh, tapings of, of lectures that Rod Serling gave when he was a professor. Uh, just really really cool stuff, packed to the gills. Um, the, the, the audio and video quality is out of this world. Um, and right now, if I'm not mistaken, as a part of Amazon's, like, Cyber Week deals, I think you can get the whole set for, like, 50 bucks. Oh, which wow. Which is insane, because, I mean, when it first came out, it was, like, $200. I mm. got mine on sale for, like, 80 bucks, but, yeah, I think, I think it's, like, only $50 right now, or it was. Um, anyway, I'm checking anyway. that out right now. It's funny. Uh, uh, the the last episode of the Twilight Zone I saw was a couple weeks ago. Uh, Betsy and I just like looking for something to wind down. Uh, we found an episode, and we ended up watching. It was a time travel inspired one, and that's why we picked nice. it out. Obviously, uh, it was one of the the rare hour long episodes. Mm. Yeah, that would have been like season three, I think. Season three was all an hour long, and then they went back to to the half hour for the last season. And it was, I think the show is a lot stronger as a half hour show. A lot of people would agree with that. Because like watching the episode, uh, well, first off, like I didn't figure it out until like we got to what should have been the end of the episode. And then it just kept going. I was like, oh, this is one of those hour long episodes. And then like it was like, oh, this could have been a half hour. They, They padded it out. Yeah. Well, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that some of those hour-long episodes were actually originally written as half-hour-long episodes and were indeed padded out to fit the uh, format. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rod Sterling wasn't happy with it. That was like a demand of the network um, and advertisers because the show was popular enough that they were like, hey, if we stretch out to an hour, we can sell even more advertisers. Yes, yeah. Um, which he, you know, he loathed advertisers. He's pretty famous for, for a lot of his comments in interviews about advertisers. But um, they were able to get it back to the half-hour format. There are a few episodes, and none of them, I, the titles aren't coming to mind right now, but there are a few episodes that, as hour-longs that really do work. I think there's one that's written by Richard Matheson that's pretty great. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, facet of the genre, I think, that... Um, Especially in those days that you could have a show that was, you know, a half hour long and and then all of a sudden it's an hour long. Today, Mm -hmm. that would never happen, you know. I'm trying to, uh, I feel like there's been more recent examples of that. But I don't know. Anyway. 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 Maybe not for a whole season. Like, obviously with The Office, you've got, like, you know, episodes that they, that they basically two episodes together or or whatever. Um, Yeah. 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 Speaking of uh, uh, time travel, um, 
Yeah. A little over a week ago, Betsy and I, we watched a movie called About Time. Oh, okay. Have you heard of this movie? I think uh, so. Uh, 2013, Rachel McAdams. Yes. I can't yep. remember the guy. He played one of the Empire Generals in uh, the most recent Star Wars movie. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. It's not, it's not Dom Hall Gleason, is it? Mm, maybe. It could be. Um, okay. I'll look it up here while we're talking. But I remember seeing ads for this movie when it first mm-hmm. came out, and I was interested, and then I became less interested because there were a lot of reviews about how problematic it is because it's a guy who uses time travel to manipulate women, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And then we watched Al the movie. Al Calavici's dream. Say, say what? <laughs> I said Al Calavici's dream. dream. Exactly. <laughs> but then we watched the movie and it's like, ah, oh, it was so frustrating because that criticism of the movie is only valid if you watch the first 15 minutes, shut it off, and then you make up the rest of the movie in your head. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. It does get a little bit too sentimental towards the end. It does break its own time travel rules towards the end, mm-hmm. which a lot of time travel movies do. Sure. Ah, uh, oh, but it, yeah, it was it was such a good movie. Highly recommend it. Nice. I'll definitely have to check it out. I, I, I think she's great. I, uh, she was my favorite part of um, True Detective Season 2. Um, although I did really like Colin Farrell as well. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that out. It's funny because uh, speaking of other time travel shows and you know with all the deals, holiday deals right now, I noticed that Time Tunnel... Um, on Blu-ray is another one that's on sale right now, um, and I was I was toying with the notion of picking it up. It used to be on Hulu, and now it's not anymore. Oh, uh, you sure? Um, I've been watching yeah. it on Hulu. It's not, I mean, it's not that I just checked. I just checked like two days ago, and it wasn't there. Well, then they they must have just just have taken that off because like a week ago I watched yeah. part of an episode on Hulu. Yeah, because I searched. I was literally searching. I think Thanksgiving night because that's when I saw that that sale, uh-huh. and um, then I, I realized that it was no longer there. That's a shame. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny because I actually have my Hulu open right now because I was watching, uh, I was watching a little X Files. Believe it or not, before uh, we started up. But um, let's see. I'm going to see if it's there right now. I'm searching. I'm searching. Okay, because I'm, I'm I'm searching too. This is a hell of a cold open, by the way. Oh, dude. I, I mean, oh, it is there. How the hell did I miss it? There it is. Beautiful. Well, because because I've been reading up on that because like because I, I know because I had known that it came from the same producer of uh, you know it was like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and those shows. Like I was expecting Ooh, something yeah. cheap and cheesy, and by today's standards, it does look cheesy. But one of the reasons why the show only lasted one season is because at the time it was the most expensive TV show ever produced. Yeah, and if you look at it through that lens. Like looking at the special effects it has looks cheesy now, but it's like, oh yeah, I can see how this was an expensive show. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's you know obviously it was a uh, an inspiration for our beloved Quantum Leap. Absolutely. Um, just by the very notion of these guys being lost in time and mm-hmm. you know the, the, you know working to try and get them back home. Um, some of the differences obviously is that they could travel into the future, mm-hmm. um, which of course I think in a way serves as a cautionary tale for why Quantum Leap probably didn't do that, uh, even if there were plans to perhaps start exploring that. Because I feel like a lot of the future episodes in Time Tunnel don't work nearly as well as the past ones. You know, I will say the the second episode, they travel yeah. twelve years they they travel twelve years into the future 
And it's interesting because they end up on a spaceship that, like, ultimately it's on its way. It's on its way to Mars, but it's stopping at the moon. Oh yeah, and it's of note because it's this episode takes place before the actual moon landing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think sixty-six. Yeah, and actually, they uh, the the plot of that episode and a twist towards the end was actually I thought pretty sophisticated for TV at the time. Nice. Uh, well, I look forward. To, I haven't seen the show in, in ages. Uh, I think. I want to say A&E actually ran it when Quantum Leap was airing. Like, um, like that was almost the impetus for them to, mm-hmm. to air it. Um, and, I, and I remember seeing a few episodes back when I was very young. Uh, and then I think Sci-Fi Channel had it for a while um, in sort of like mid to late 90s. And I saw a few episodes then. I remember watching it with my grandfather in particular. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Quantum Leap. Quantum yeah. Leap was certainly inspired <laughs> by it, as was Don Belisario. Um, so here we are. It is season four, episode two, that we are now on. Um, the heater just kicked in because it is fixing to be another very cold, stormy day in Chicago, so I do apologize for any background noise. That's fine. I may kick in on my end, too, here. But, uh, yeah, we're talking about Play Ball. Uh, which aired on September the 25th, 1991. Our leap date is August the 6th, 1961. Um, so almost 30 years to the date. And Sam has leapt into uh, Doc. And for a while, that's just that's the only name we know him by, just Doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, finally, when Al is able to give him his name, uh, it, is, it is Lester. Oh, that's weird. IMDb doesn't actually have the full name on there. Um, I'm sure Matt's book does. Do you have it open? Uh, I do. Let me take a look here if it actually has his name here. You know, actually, I don't think it does. Oh, interesting. It's just Doc in there, too. Yeah. All right, well. You know what's we'll funny? It, it went over my head. I didn't even catch the name. I just heard it as Doc. Yeah, at one point, at one point, uh, Sam asks Al his name because everyone's just been calling him Doc, and so he ends up... Uh, telling him but anyway yeah we're uh, in Galveston Texas and Sam is a pitcher in a minor league baseball team um, what's TV guide tell us TV guide description Sam takes the field as a veteran minor leaguer who tries to cover all of the bases find a way back to the majors while assisting a young hotshot with a live arm and uh, as a, a newer tradition let me read off what this episode was called in other countries uh, in Germany, it was called It's Never Too Late. In France, it was called The Last Chance Match. <laughs> and in Italy, it was called And a Star is Born. Well, how about that? Um, I think Play Ball was a solid choice for naming this episode. I think it episode. was, too, actually. Uh, and we are, uh, see, this episode was written by Tommy Thompson, um, who, of course, would write uh, about 13 episodes of the series as a whole. Uh, and directed by Joe Napolitano, who is another name that we are quite familiar with, um, who has directed, uh, I believe, 15 episodes in total. I am having some technical difficulties on my end, so I'm not actually able to pull up all of my my factoids in the way that I normally would. Oh, it's all good. Um, While you're looking those up, uh, I'll give you where we're at in the timeline. Um, obviously, you know, we were just, uh, 
The Leap Back, which jumped between 1945 and 1999. Uh, but chronologically, Sam was last seen, um, or he may this may be a concurrent thing, uh, also in August of 1961 was the 1961 segment of the novel The Wall. That's right, yeah, it happens concurrently with this yeah. episode, actually. Yeah. And then the uh, he will next be seen again in October of 1961 in What Price Gloria? Yeah, man. Speaking of novels, I was down in our storage area the other night pulling up Christmas decorations, and I pulled out the box of my Quantum Leap novels, and I pulled out the novel Song and Dance, which is, <laughs> which is the only Quantum Leap novel that I never finished. Nice. So I pulled it up. Yeah, I'll we'll dive into it that. Maybe it may be one of the two that I no longer own. I uh, when I was going through my books recently, I realized that there, are, I think there's one or two that I don't have anymore, and that might be one of them. Sure, you can read it after I get finished. Well, I Bring. appreciate that. Yeah, we have to prepare <laughs> ourselves well for when we, you know, decide to cover that before we dive uh, into those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, worth noting real quick, going back just a second, that Joe Napolitano, of course, uh, like I said, would direct 12 episodes. Most famously, he did direct Leap Home Part 1. Um, he, he's done Pool Hall Blues, uh, Black on White on Fire, Heart of a Champion, uh, and most recently Shock Theater. And he'll go on very soon to direct The Wrong Stuff. And also Moments to Live and The Curse of Tahoe Tap. Oh, looking forward to that. Um, I think it's fitting, honestly, that he would direct this episode compared to a couple of the other ones, uh, especially Pool Hall Blues and Heart of a Champion, because I do think that there's some similarities mm-hmm. um, with this episode. Uh, and, you know, I'm just going to start right off by saying that I do think that this is a fairly strong episode. I was even saying to Dennis before we got started that um, this may be one of the strongest sort of non-life-or-death, you know, big sort of myth-season opener-season finale sort of episodes um, this side of something like Thou Shalt Not uh, there's I don't know there's something about it that I just felt like really delivered I think part of it has to do with um, with Neil McDonough honestly as a supporting cast I think Scott Bakula and, and, and Dean Stockwell are uh, pretty out of sight in this episode there's almost I, I would almost be willing to argue um, and, and of course they could tell me I'm crazy and wrong because they're the ones that we're doing the, the work, but uh, I would almost uh, make an argument that it was nice to be doing an episode like this after having done a run um, of episodes at the end of, of last season and, and the very first episode of this season that weren't sort of their, the normal, you know, genre episodes. And while one could certainly say that those types of episodes didn't always hit the mark um, that when they did it was just you know an example of, of, of the show being a great little one hour drama um, that just happened to have the, the time travel aspect layered on top of it sure now we were saying before we hit record to me like this it didn't hit me as a bad episode it's just kind of an eh episode sure so yeah. so I'm looking forward uh, I'm looking forward to you winning me over let's see if I can do it that, that being said uh do you have any initial memories of this episode from watching it as a kid? I have to be completely honest. When Before I watched the episode, I remembered next to nothing about it. As I watched the episode again, I'll, it, so much of it just came flooding back to me. Um, there, were, there were definitely a couple of things that I didn't remember very well. Um, you know, like Sam going to, to meet the father... 
uh, you know, Chuck's father. I didn't, I didn't remember that very well, but I, I, you know, I remembered the pig. I remembered Al teaching Sam how to pitch. I, you know, those, those things definitely kind of came back to me. Um, but there were, there were no like real standout memories that I had before I watched the episode. <laughs> got it. Got it. What about you? So went, um, you know, I remember like there were highlights of the episode that I certainly did remember, you know, like the, the pig being the mascot, sure. how weird that was. The, the scene between Sam and Al where we learned how they met. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. More importantly, what I remember is, um, I feel like both the start of this episode and uh, the start of the episode Permanent Wave, there is this vibe in the opening scene where it just seems like Sam is starting to get a better hang of improvising when he first leaps in. Sure. Um, yeah, it's just like I remember like watching as a kid, like like just having this vibe that like Sam was coming more into his own. Like, he was becoming a pro at leaping, yeah. if that makes sense. And also, at the same time, like, like the show was starting to play with its own with its own tropes in that... Oh, yeah. In this episode, we don't, we don't get Sam saying, oh, boy, in the initial scene. We, yeah. get, we get the kid saying, oh, boy, in Played the initial by scene. by Michael Belisario, by e- the way. Exactly. And yeah. then, uh, also, I remember being embarrassed watching this episode with my mom. Just because, oh. just because of all of the, a all bunny. Of, yeah, because of bunny. Well, bunny, but also the the owner of the team. Sure. And that sure. was like all of the all of the sex stuff in the episode. So those yeah. those are my initial memories. I think you know. I think that there's that, that, that this episode certainly owes, uh, and what I appreciate about it, unlike I think some earlier episodes, uh, it does not feel like a beat by beat sort of, you know, rip off homage, whatever. Uh, but it definitely owes perhaps a little bit to Bull Durham. Um, I think that there's, you know, some similarities, uh, between the two. Um, some differences obviously as well. Uh, but yeah, I would agree with your assessment about Sam kind of feeling like he's a pro at this. And I wonder, you know, conscious or not, uh, I think that what I would take from that is that after the leap back, he made the choice to take on this gig again, basically. It mm. wasn't like, it wasn't, I'm going to prove something to somebody that this works. I'm not, I, it wasn't an accident, basically. Now it was, it was sort of a choice to say that I'm doing this. Um, and again, whether that's conscious on, on, on the writer's producer's part or Scott Bakula's part or just something that we're kind of, you know, taking from it extrinsically, uh, apart from whatever their intent was, I think that it's uh, it's definitely worth noting because I think you're right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so it's interesting to me with this episode because it's quite a while before Al shows up at the beginning. You know, Sam kind of has to fend for himself for for a little bit there. Uh, with the ball game and then the, the initial bus ride uh, and then being in the restaurant with mm-hmm. Chuck. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's kind of a lot going on before Al shows up. Um, and then, of course, it's interesting also to note that Ziggy and, and by default Al get it wrong, really, with as far as what's supposed to happen here. Um, there's a lot that... it. 
I think it probably lends itself to what you were saying about Sam feeling like he's a little bit more in charge and a little bit more the pro, is that Sam kind of gets to dictate what this leap is about more than Al or, or Ziggy, you know, popping in and saying, like, you're here to do this. Because mm-hmm. uh, Sam kind of ignores all of that, and rightfully so, because, it, you know, by the end of the episode, we, we realized that it was, that Ziggy was wrong. Exactly. So this is the thing that I find interesting about this episode, and it's related to that, is that I feel like this is the first episode that really, really doubles down on the idea that if Sam does not accomplish his mission, he doesn't leap. Yeah. Because more than once in the episode, Al drives that home. Yeah. And I know that's always been an idea, and we've talked about it before, but I, right now, off the top of my head, I can't think of another episode that really just lays it out there like that. Um, no, I mean, there's def- this is certainly not the first time that we have heard one of them say, if this doesn't happen, you'll be stuck here forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely not the first time that that's happened, but I-, I do think that it's probably the first episode where it's been said more than once. Yeah, and I feel like why they had to do it in this episode is like, it's a low-stakes episode in that no one is going to die. Right. And Sam is reluctant to do the thing that, Alan Ziggy says he's there to do. And so I feel like they had to put this, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're not going to leap. Like they had to put that in there to raise the stakes of like right. what the consequences are of Sam. If Sam decides to not do the thing that he's supposed to do, what's going to happen to him? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so oh, by the way, it's Lester Fuller is Doc's real name. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I just saw that and felt like it was weird. important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the you know the other thing that's really interesting too, and I think that this is kind of goes with what you're saying is that with the baseball game at the end, and and it's one of those things that I feel like maybe the maybe it's it's either perfect. And I, I'm just expecting too much from it, or it is a slight missed opportunity that there was that they, there wasn't any additional information given, and that is that the baseball game is going exactly how it went in the original history, mm-hmm. and Sam changes that, which is the other thing that's kind of brilliant about the episode is that Sam, you know, takes it upon himself, has the agency to say, "I'm taking myself out of the game." Because at this point, everything is proceeding exactly how it had in the past. And, and and he isn't changing anything at all, in spite of the fact that he's not Doc, and he's on the pitcher's mound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it kind of lends itself well to what you were saying earlier about Sam kind of being more in charge and more of a pro at this, because he's willing to just say, I'm doing this. Sure. Without, you know, any advice from Al, without any kind of, like, what would happen if, you know, have Ziggy run the numbers on, he just does it. Sure. Uh, and that confidence, um, I think, is, is something that he exudes throughout the course of this entire episode. Sure. Um, and, and so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very... Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just a big fan of this episode, uh, and, I, and I'm on board with what you're saying, too, as far as, like, you know, Sam having that quality that maybe he hasn't had as much before, and also kind of going hand in hand with the fact that if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't make some changes, if he doesn't shake things up on his own, 
then he could be stuck here. Sure. And what the hell would happen then? Would he end up drinking himself to death like Doc Fuller did? Uh, <laughs> Sam, the alcoholic. I don't know. Well, shall we? Uh, shall we dive in? Uh, let's meet the cast. Uh, well, let's do meet the cast. So the first, so, the first one we meet is Bunny. That's true. Yes, played by Courtney Gebhardt, um, who doesn't have a whole lot um, on here except for. Uh, some episodes of 30-something and Santa Barbara prior to Quantum Leap. There's some other guest spots included in there, too. Here and there. Sure, yeah. Uh, An episode of The Flash, the original Flash. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, had a stint as Cookie on uh, Murphy Brown. Um, And then didn't really do much there for a while, uh, although she was indeed uh, on an episode of one of my favorite shows of all time, Veronica Mars, in 2005. Um, and then it looks like the last thing on here is from 2010, uh, a film called School's Out, which I can only imagine. <laughs> classic. <that is. laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, that's terrible to say. No, I mean, um, it, it just sounds like a bad title. Right. Um, and then, let's see, uh, we also, early on, meet uh, Billy the Kid as played by Michael Belisario um, who at this point would have been 11 years old Mm -hmm. Um, and now of course he has uh, absolutely um, been involved in most of his father's productions since then including JAG and NCIS Mm and most recently, he's got, um, let's see, a film uh, called Elvis, uh, which is apparently about a crazy sex toy maker kidnapping his ex-girlfriend's sister, holding her hostage for their pet dog, Elvis. So it has nothing to do with Elvis Presley, mind you, mm-hmm. but I'll be damned if I don't want to see that movie. Right? <laughs> and his, his IMDb photo is a little extra. Oh, yeah. To use uh, the word that the cool kids are using. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it. Um, yeah, you know, just he's got lots of stuff on his resume. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, honestly, he was um, in 29 episodes of JAG um, playing midshipman Mike Roberts, uh, eventually petty officer Mike Roberts, played Chip Sterling on a few episodes of NCIS. Um, but lots of stuff recently. Um, he's got uh, three things, uh, two things, excuse me, in post-production, two in pre-production right now. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he's going to do. Uh, I, I, I think it's funny that, you know, the kid's name is Billy and also that he gets to say, oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, we've also got an appearance by Royce Applegate. Yes, Royce announcer. D. Applegate. Thank you very much. Sorry. I'm so sorry, you're right. Uh, who, as we have mentioned before, because he has, this is not his first episode, unfortunately, he did pass away in 2003, but before that, uh, left us with a, a beautiful uh, uh, body of work, as far as I'm concerned, doing all sorts of crazy things, kind of, you know, filling that uh, cringe as I say it, but it's a word, character, actor, kind of uh, spot for multiple shows dating back all the way to 1970. Um, when he played Guy with Headband in Mayberry RFD. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just lots of stuff throughout the 70s, lots of TV, uh, all the, you know, kind of 
checking all the boxes with shows like uh, Starsky and Hutch, Charlie's Angels, Vegas, um, let's see here, Streets of San Francisco, um, and Chips in the early 80s. Um, of course, he would probably be most well-known to any other sci-fi aficionados for his work on Sequest um, in 23 episodes as Chief Manilow Crocker. Um, and we've seen him once before in The Color of Truth as Sheriff Blunt. Absolutely. Um, and he would uh, finish, wrap up his career, if you will, um, with a, a small role in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, a few guest spots on JAG. Um, he would play one of the generals in Gods and Generals. And uh, his final film role was in Purgatory Flats um, in 2003. He was mm. also in Biscuit that same year. Okay. Um, While we're jumping on the uh, the the uh, the baseball roster, uh, yeah. The also of note is Hank Robinson, who plays the umpire. Indeed, who plays one of the umpire? Uh, Matt Dale points out in his book he was also he also played an umpire in Genesis. That's right. So you could make the argument, and let's make the argument because it makes the show much more interesting uh, that it's the same umpire. Just yeah. just seven years later. Why the hell not? Uh, it's really interesting because he um, literally made a career playing umpires. He played an umpire in a movie called Talent for the Game. He played an umpire in an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. He played the umpire in the film Taking Care of Business. He played an umpire in Murder, She Wrote. He played a first base umpire in The Naked Gun. He played an umpire in an episode of Simon and Simon. I'm not making this up. Like, I couldn't make this up if I tried. He was an umpire in Perfect Strangers. He was an umpire in Run Till You Fall, a TV movie. He was an umpire in Brewster's Millions. Uh, he was an umpire in Blame It on the Night. Like I said, he made a career out of playing an he umpire. He was just an umpire all over the place. Wow. He, he was, however, a funeral attendee in Newhart. So he broke the mold there. He really stepped out of the box for a while. Wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, he had, um, uh, yeah, sure enough, he played a baseball player at a picnic in an episode of the Rockford Files. Um, he would also play, uh, in Charlie's Angels, he played a bartender and a diner patron, so, you know, was not, uh, an umpire there. He did, however, play an umpire in Fantasy Island. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, but no, uh, yeah, had, had a uh, quite quite the lengthy career, um, you know, in lots of uh, bit roles, mostly um, smaller parts, uh, all the way back to 1966 um, in the Elvis Presley film Spin Out. Um, he's even in an episode of the old Batman TV series. Oh, wow. Well. And then we have, uh, we meet the coach early on. Yeah, played by Don, Don Stroud. Stroud, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, Don is still kicking, uh, most recently seen in Django Unchained, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's got a short film coming out, uh, I guess that was finished last year, mm-hmm. um, but his career uh, began back in the 60s as well. Uh, lots of TV shows, um, The Virginian, uh, he did a few episodes of that. And would also go on to uh, have a guest spot in Macmillan and Wife, which for a while NBC had all of those, um, you know, mystery specials and shows that they ran. And they were like, you know, 90 minutes 
uh, sure. as opposed to your standard hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so each season was really only about six episodes, but they produced a bunch of them in succession. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. I uh, did a few episodes of Gunsmoke, Streets of San Francisco, an episode of Kung Fu, um, just, yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, Policewoman with uh, Angie Dickinson, Hawaii Five-0. Uh, he also guest starred on Mrs. Columbo. Uh, I didn't guest star. He was he was actually a co-star from the looks of it. Oh, okay. Uh, playing Sergeant Mike Varick in eight episodes. Um, did an episode of The Incredible Hulk, uh, Knight Rider, um, a couple episodes of The Fall Guy. Man, I mm. love that show too much. Uh for what it was, probably. The A-Team, uh, just, you know, lots and lots of stuff uh, all the way up and through um, the, the 90s. Did a couple episodes of MacGyver, um, Heat of the Night, and more recently, post-Quantum Leap, um, not a whole lot. Looks like he took a bit of a break and then kind of, you know, got back into things uh, in sort of the late 2000s, uh, early, early 2010s here with... Uh, an episode of Hawaii Five-0, and then, of course, playing the sheriff in Django Unchained. Um, he's great in this, and we'll talk a little bit about him as we go on. I mean, he kind of just, I, I think, plays the the part pretty perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got, uh, let's see here, let's go ahead and talk about Margaret Twilley, who is, of course, played by Marie Cheatham. Mm-hmm. And um, she has quite a few... Um, sort of bigger uh, uh, things under her belt, including Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also was on 36 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, did a run there. Uh, the West Wing, um, some more soap opera stuff with uh, Passions. She uh, was on Profiler, did a couple of episodes playing the same character. Um, Knott's Landing for a while, General Hospital. So lots of, uh, like I said, lots of soap work. Um, search for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I just point? Career. Yeah, can I just point yeah. out? So far, everyone we've talked about still alive, with the exception <laughs> of Royce D. Applegate. With the, ah, with the exception, of, yes. I know it's our minus one. Award. So close. Minus, yeah. So close. Uh, playing Warren Monroe, the um, absentee father who tries to make good mm-hmm. at the end, is Casey Sander. Um, he's. Uh, done quite a few things uh, most recently he was in an episode of the Orville um, has uh, he'll be in the film Vice uh, which is coming out soon he's done some uh, voiceover work for video games um, he had a recurring role on the Big Bang Theory which I know nothing about but the character's name was Mike Rostenkowski so if you're out there and you know the show then maybe that's how you know him uh, he also did some uh, NCIS. Uh, he was in an episode of The Newsroom, which uh, I contend was criminally underrated. Um, also had a stint on the show Justified, which is interesting because we're going to talk about his on-screen son in a little bit who uh, had a major role in a season of Justified. Okay. Um, did Sons of Anarchy, uh, NCIS, Las Vegas, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Um, so, uh, yeah, just lots and lots of uh, film and television um, throughout the 2000s and 90s. Um, it looks like he got his career started in uh, 1982 with an episode of The Fall Guy. Um, <laughs> so it comes back once again. Uh, also did some Knight Rider, um, you know, and so on and so forth. But just lots of film and television uh, prior to 
Quantum Leap and, of course, after Quantum Leap as well. Um, even uh, did a couple of episodes of Dream On, which was one of HBO's first yeah. original TV yeah. shows. Um, and now that, that, that'll bring us to the heavy hitter. Uh, I wanted to save him for last, mm-hmm. Neil McDonough, which uh, I say this with all the love of my heart because I think he's an incredibly talented actor and has usually been one of my favorite parts of anything that he is in. But if you look at a picture of Neil McDonough today compared to what he looked like in the episode of Quantum Leap that we just watched, you will feel old. Like, I mean, the guy has aged, and he's aged well, and he still looks great. He's still, mm-hmm. you know, striking, you know, looking individual. But, man, if he doesn't look like a kid in this episode of Quantum Leap compared to today, which obviously, I mean, he was 25 years old when this uh, episode aired, and now he is uh, 52, so it, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, his career would start, actually, not too long before this episode of Quantum Leap. It was one of the first things he ever did. Uh, prior to that, uh, he had a guest spot on China Beach uh, in the same year, which, of course, I think is you know one of the finest television series ever forged. Um, funny enough, the next thing that he would do after this episode of Quantum Leap was play Lou Gehrig in a Babe Ruth team. Ah, that's interesting. So he okay. kept the baseball thing alive. Um, which, of course, he also kept alive because he would be a, a baseball player in Angels in the Outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, don't worry, this isn't an umpire thing, though, like our, uh, our favorite umpire here. Uh, he did an episode of JAG. Um, he would also do um, you know, some guest spots uh, on shows that, unfortunately, didn't last very long, like uh, VR5 and uh, The Client and Blue River. He had a guest spot on Murphy Brown, tying him into, of course, our star Scott Bakula there. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets our Star Trek shout yep. out. Yep, okay, I was played, waiting for it. I was waiting. Yeah. He played Lieutenant Hawk in Star Trek First Contact, a character that I think if you went into that movie uh, and you watched it and you saw him, you would think, like, oh, wow, they added a new bridge crew member. Like, this guy's going to be like a new. And then, of course, he gets killed off. And sure. I. I kind of felt cheated. Like, I was a little pissed off. Because being a big Star Trek nerd, there was a part of me that thought, like, oh, this character will probably be great in the novels. Like, we're going to see him in the novel. Oh, <coughs> now he's dead. Now he's been assimilated and we'll never see him again. See, that's the thing. I feel like um, I, I haven't read... I've read, only read, like, one or two of the Star Trek novels. I feel like I read somewhere that there is a novel that kind of hones in more on his story. Like that like is, like he's not the main focus of the story, but they give yeah. him more of a story, um, and, and a story preceding the events of First Contact. I think that novel is called Ship of the Line. Yes, I know, and it also <laughs> uh, stars the uh, Captain Bateson, who was played by Kelsey Grammer uh, in the show, and, and and fills in some gaps on him as well. It has to do with the Sovereign class starship, which is the Enterprise. But anyway, yeah, no, he he is actually in a couple of the novels, but I just felt like he kind of got shortchanged by uh, getting bumped off so early. Sure, because um, I, I don't think you were imagining things. I, I really do feel like they they kind of they kind of teased you down that route, making you think that he really was going to become like yeah a new a new bridge officer, and then boom, yeah, and then he's gone. Um, in, in an interesting sort of twist here, as, as far as the tie-in goes to a show that we've talked about quite a bit and a couple of other people guest starred in, he actually did the voice for Dr. Bruce Banner in the Incredible Hulk animated series that ran from 1996 to 1997. Uh, I remember watching that when I was a kid. It was actually very well done. Um, lots of guest spots on lots of television series. Uh, probably, um, prior to... 
I mean, other than the Star Trek First Contact bit, I think the first really kind of big thing that a lot of people probably saw him in and he got a lot of acclaim for would have been Band of Brothers. Um, he played uh, Lynn Buck Compton. Um, and, uh, you know, being kind of such the ensemble show that it was, um, it's hard to say that there you know, there were standouts, but he was, I feel like, definitely one of the guys that ended up getting, um, you know, a bit more work because of that. Uh, he also played David McNorris in a criminally underrated television show called Boomtown. He was one of the main characters there uh, as the uh, district attorney, I believe. Um, he, uh, let's see, what else we got? Lots of, again, lots of television shows. He did a stint on Desperate Housewives as Dave Williams. Um, he did a lot of voice work, uh, actually, as the Green Arrow um, in some of the DC animated shorts that were produced for uh, the DVDs that they've been released in these past ten years or so. Uh, he played Dum Dum Dugan in Captain America, the first Avenger. He would reprise that role uh, in um, uh, 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 what, what was it? Agent Carter. Sorry, gosh, and Agents of Shield for that matter. Um, then uh, he would play Robert Quarles in the 2012 season of Justified, uh, and I'll be damned if he wasn't. Up until the final season, which really, you know, I think was the culmination of a lot of storylines and threads that have been running throughout the course of the show, uh, he was probably the first villain in Justified that made you worried for the life of the main character. Um, I, I, I think that it's rare that a show would be able to do that in this day and age, but there were times when I literally thought that uh, he was going to be the one that killed Raylan, and mm-hmm. that the show was going to go off in some weird tangent, or perhaps no longer sure. exist. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but he was he was threatening, menacing. He was yeah, he was fantastic. Um, yeah, just you know, I, I, again, a lot of stuff uh, on film and television. Most recently, I think a lot of genre people would know him as Damien Dark uh, in the Arrowverse shows. Uh, of course, he did twenty episodes of Arrow. Uh, episode of The Flash, did 20 episodes of Legends of Tomorrow as well. Uh, he's got a lot of things uh, in the can already and some stuff uh, in uh, pre-production, some stuff that's been announced as well. Um, Project Blue Book, uh, he will be uh, playing General James Harding uh, in, which I guess is a 2019 um, date. Uh, of course, for those that, that might not know, Project Blue Book was the, uh, it's, it, this is real, I'm not making this up, was actually the uh, code name for the U.S. Air Force uh, investigations into UFO-related phenomena um, mm. post-Roswell. Um, so that should be pretty interesting. But yeah, um, long story short, he's fantastic in this episode. He is. He's great. Let's jump back. His very first credit was Doc Worker number 2 in Dark Man. Son of a bitch. How did I miss How, that? You've seen Dark, um, have you seen Dark Man? <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. Yeah. I have to go back and and, and check that out. But, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he he makes this episode. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say I think he's honestly probably one of the finest guest stars that the show ever had. I really mean that. Um, And not so much as that there weren't other guest stars that – you know, were fantastic and nuanced, you know, gave nuanced performances or aren't immediately recognizable to fans of the show. But just as far as the, 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 the overall vibe that he brings to the character and the complexities that he's able to bring to the character, um, 
And that final scene with his dad. Sure, yeah. The story he tells on his face. The thing is, the show don't tell. Yeah. And I just made this connection. He is uh, kind of a a mirror image of Dylan, Diedrich Bader's character in Rebel, without a clue. It's like that, like, like... He's got this edge to him, like yep. he could be really nice and charismatic, he could be a really good guy, or flip a switch and he could be a real bastard. And whereas yeah. Dylan turned into a real bastard, he turns into uh, being a pretty good guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and the, um, the relationship that he has with, with Doc, um, and by extension Sam... Uh, is really well done. Um, the the you know that sort of you know just riding that razor's edge, like you said, between being a guy that goes down a real dark path um, to, to to you know potential or possible redemption, um, you know exists and 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 is played in, in a really interesting way without turning him into somebody that you don't like, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is very important. He's, you know, right off the bat, no pun intended, um, he's, a very <laughs> sympath- <laughs> uh, he's a very sympathetic character. Um, and, I, you know, the, the conversation he has on the bus uh, with Sam um, to then, you know, seeing him in the diner and kind of, you know, we've already seen him punch this, this spectator, uh, yeah. at this point. Um, so we know that it's like, wow, this guy's a little dangerous. Uh, and then yet he's so disarming on the bus ride. Yeah. Um, and, and just so like kind of hero worshiping Sam. And then when we get into the diner, it's kind of like he flips another switch and now he's this arrogant young. And again, he's able to play all of these things and never feel as though he's betrayed who this person really is, mm-hmm. and and in, in doing so creates this wonderfully, you know, multifaceted character, which I, I, I the writing obviously um, helps with, but uh, yeah, he's just he's just fantastic. Um, yeah, the, he, yeah, the, the the scene in the diner where uh, uh, Coach catches him drinking, mm-hmm. and he pseudo threatens to kick him off the team, like if we weren't like playing so short. I would kick yeah. you off the team. And like when he stands up and he gets in his face and he tells him exactly why he will not kick him off the team. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, and I, I think that we don't, as, as a society, and probably rightfully so, and, and, and I understand this, but for me, I've always been kind of attracted to that in a way because there's an honesty there um, that you know, you might not like, but you can't help but appreciate, um, you know, when you do find those people that are just so damn good at what they do, that they take maybe a little bit more than they should, they take, you know, liberties, they, 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 they get things that other people don't get, and I don't necessarily mean, like, you know, the, the, the money or the rewards, but I mean, they get a little bit more leeway, um, and, and for some reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I I appreciate that. Yeah, and maybe I shouldn't. They uh, and I uh, know that. Yeah, to, again, in our day and age, that that's not something that maybe should be celebrated. But know, to to it. to appropriate another phrase, he's got fuck you talent. Yes, he's got enough talent. He yes. can say fuck you and get yep. away with it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
but we find out that that does have its limits throughout the episode as yeah. as we are as we are going to learn um well i guess that that is a perfect segue into talking and discussing uh bunny and her mother mm. um because they're kind of the undoing of that fuck you talent in they, a way, if you will. They are. So to, to talk about Bunny, uh, when Betsy and I were watching this episode um, a few days ago, I, I really got the idea that they were kind of hinting around the fact, or, or we picked up the idea that Bunny was maybe a little bit not legal, of legal age. Oh, you think so? Okay. okay. Like, I mean, they obviously had an older actor playing her but there were just a couple of things especially in the scene where where, uh, uh, I can't think of the character's name we're just uh, Neil McDonough's character Uh, Chucky uh, yeah Uh, especially when he was passed out in her bed and and Sam comes in to sneak him out there was something in that scene that I really got the impression that 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 Bunny was underage that could be I did you know I honestly never thought that I think maybe I was just taking things at face value because she doesn't Necessarily, this is going to sound horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How these scumbags have used this for a defense, but she didn't look it. Sure. So, <laughs> so um, but but I think that uh, that that is really interesting. And and like I said, yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought of that. But now that you mention it, it actually makes Al's lines about um, him getting caught doing the bingo bango bongo with her. Mm-hmm more of a problem because we see the two of them flirting. We see the two of them kissing. We see the two of them kind of having that kind of thing. But if she is underage, if it would be like, it it makes you wonder like, why didn't they just come out and say this? But it does make you think that maybe part of the problem with him getting caught with her is that it does end up having like statutory rape, you you know, uh, connotation to it or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, worth noting, of course, that she, we see her very early in the episode as she comes in to the locker room where Sam is, um, uh, uh, putting chewing tobacco in his mouth when he leaps in and then starts spitting it out because it's so terrible. Um, which it is kids, trust me. And then, uh, uh, he looks up to find this woman entering the locker room. Uh, she takes off her dress. Sam, of course, tries to put her dress back on her. Mm. Um, and then uh, Billy walks in, and that's when we get the oh boy from someone other than Sam. Um, but she is clearly um, going after, you know, Doc and uh, Chucky. Yeah. Um, and even though after this interaction with Doc, we see her exclusively with Chucky. When Sam does go to get Chucky out of her bed, she comes on to him again right then and there, yeah. Um, now, of course, the interesting part about all this is that Margaret, who's the owner of the team and Bunny's mother, apparently is also carrying on with the real Doc. Like, they have been sleeping together sure. um, for who knows how long. Yeah. Mm. It's also interesting that it's, uh, and I just thought of it, it's like they could have very easily done it where there was a confrontation between Chucky and Doc over Bunny. Of like Chucky finding out. But there is never a point in the episode where Chucky finds out that that Bunny has been coming on to Doc. Very true. Very, very true. You know, it's the thing that would be very interesting about that is it does make you wonder... I could see Chucky reacting either way. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I could see Chucky getting very upset, as he does later on in the episode when he finds out that, you know, due to Sam or Doc's relationship with Margaret, that he's going to get to pitch in the playoff game. Yeah. Um, you know, he gets mad about you, stab me in the back, and all this sort of stuff. I could see him, obviously, going that route. I could also see him, because it's not related to the game, I could also see him just kind of being like, nah, well, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah, oh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like... See, I would see it going totally the other way. All right. I don't know. We'll never know yeah. because it never. We. That's right. Because it it's never. A bridge, it's a bridge never crossed. Yes. Uh, but then, yeah. But then we, uh, yeah, or very early on, we get it established, like you said, that uh, Doc and Margaret, uh, they have a thing. Now, whether or not Doc is actually a willing participant in that, or he's just doing sure. what he needs to do, that's left up there. Yeah, well, when he comes into her office, it's first of all, it is amusing because when the coach tells Sam, you know, the boss wants to see him, he goes into the office and Margaret walks over to him and Sam, fairly misogynistically, let's be honest here, assumes that the owner and the boss is a man. And that Margaret is just in the office for no reason. Now, of course, that gets turned out of ear because we find out that Margaret is the boss, which is kind of refreshing. Yeah. Um, but she and she immediately, you know, says whiskey uh, or some or drink or something to that effect. And Sam is and Sam is like, no, thank you. But she's like, no, no, get me <laughs> yeah, one. Get me one. Yeah. So you have this like it's again, it's really well written in a way because I think it, it helps to establish the relationship that exists between the two of them very well. Like you get the sense that this is like their routine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he comes in, he pours a drink, they start, you know, doing whatever, they, then they start carrying on, etc. Um, so again, I, I agree. You don't know whether doc is a willing participant in this, but you get the sense that there is definitely an established sort of routine to the way that their relationship works. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish that we got to see more of Margaret. I mean, there's not room in the episode for it, really. But I think that, you know, we really get, like, basically two scenes with her. We, you know, we get the, um, this moment with Sam, and then we get the moment where she catches Sam and Chucky in Bunny's bedroom. Yeah, and then we and get the scene, it. like, at the, uh, the baseball game at the end of, 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 right. of rubbing it into Sam's face and then and then also, like, having to let them play in the game because plot developments that we'll talk about here, that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, oddly, oddly, like, uh, uh, timely in a way. I don't know. Uh, yes, that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So... But yeah, I, I you know the being that these are really our only female characters in the episode, um, well, take that for what you will. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So let's kind of uh, let's let's talk about Al in this episode. Totally. Uh, so I think that this episode it, it, we've not gotten an episode like this, as far as I'm concerned, really since like season two. Um, there aren't any episodes, with the exception of, of, of Leap Home Part 1 and Part 2, that, that kind of start to delve more into Al's character and, and, and his past in, in, in a way that this episode does. I think, you know, in, in, in Season 2, we got a few of those episodes, um, whether, you know, like Jimmy or M.I.A. or, or you know, even 
Honeymoon Express or whatever, you know, kind of looking into who Al is, what his past is. And this one has the distinction of delving into the relationship between Sam and Al and specifically how they met. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, so in that, uh, it's, it's a scene later on where um, this is where we see Chucky at his worst. He's drunk. He's just found out that, that Doc is pitching in the playoff game. They have a fight. Sam says, punch me. I probably deserve it. And then he feigns like he's going to walk away, but then he turns around and does punch him. And this is when Sam reveals, remembers the story of like the first time he met Al. Al was drunk, beating the crap out of a vending machine with a hammer. Um, and basically Sam saved his career because this was on the Starbright project and everybody else wanted to basically retire Al and get rid of him. And Sam saved him. Yeah. And it's interesting, it's worth noting that earlier in the episode, um, they, they toy with the idea that uh, Chucky reminds Sam of someone. Yeah. And he can't quite put his finger on it. And I'm really glad that you used the word remembers when you were talking about what Sam does when he has that moment because it, it, it's, you know, Bacula plays it so well that it is a discovery in that moment as opposed to being something that he's known all along and has been like keeping from Al or whatever mm. it's it's I, it does feel very much like he's discovering it right then and there which is really nice sure um and I think subtle in a way that we don't always get because you know generally we we have this oh your memory Swiss cheesed or oh I can't remember because of the Swiss cheese memory or whatever and instead it, it does feel a little bit more subtle um and I, I like it and, and it paints a very vivid picture um of how they met and where Al was at that particular point in his life. And I think we've always, and I, I think it was never better established than it was in Honeymoon Express, but this gives us a true peek into why these two men are important to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the course of the series, we've certainly seen Al doing everything he can for his friend. And of course, in the leap back, we get probably, you know, one of the most more heroic demonstrations of what Sam is willing to do for Al. But to know that this is how the relationship began, I think informs a lot of what we've already seen. Yeah. And, and, and what's what we'll in, continue yeah, to what, see. Uh, what's interesting is uh, the first season, they, they kind of leaned into the fact that Al was a drinker. Yes. The pilot episode. Yeah. Uh, he shows up twice, hungover. The uh, much more powerfully in played against Seymour. There's a scene where Sam kind of rubs him in his face. Uh, uh, I think with my brain, and I don't cloud my judgment with a bottle. I think is what he says in played against Seymour. And then after the first season, they kind of dropped that whole idea that Al was a heavy drinker. Because Al and drinking don't ever really come up again. And then this is the first episode where they come back to that and they really lean into this idea that that he was he was a borderline alcoholic, if not an alcoholic, at some point. Yeah, well I think in, in you know, in my in my head can and my, my fan wake here would be that um, what was happening at Project Quantum Loop and Sam's absence, you know, might have lent itself to, to Al cleaning up falling off the wagon yeah. a bit. Um, and then, and then, like you say, yes, and then cleaning up. Especially, you know, especially does make sense in a way that, I, again, I don't think 
I can overstate the importance of an episode like Honeymoon Express because of what it does for the you know the setting up, helping to set up, reset up the premise of the show in some really unique ways, and and I think that that may have been a turning point, you know, for Al um, as much as it was clearly for Sam mm-hmm. as well, um, but. It, it's also I mean, we've gotten hints at it before, but this is the first time that explicitly states that like they've been working on a project together before, you know, Project Quantum Leap. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess they kind of hint at it in Star Cross, but they don't spell it out. Yeah. So, so the fact that you know now we know that there's this Project Starbright that this is something that they've been doing beforehand, and, and kind of. Um, it's another thing that it does that I think is cool is that it kind of it, it reminds us of the fact that we're watching a television show where even though Sam was a boy genius, you know, even though he has all of these degrees, that we're watching a man in his late 30s and early 40s. This isn't some, you know, 25 year old, you know, this isn't what, we're, what we would see in most modern TV. You know, and that's no offense to a lot of the young actors out there who are, you know, making it work and doing doing great work on you know a myriad of television shows, including you know genre shows. But this is this is a, a grown man, a seasoned individual who has, you know, for probably close to twenty years been working um, in his field, uh, and and to again get that idea that he was working on this project. Probably as a young man, you know, probably in his early twenties, you know, early to mid twenties, when he met mm-hmm. Al, um, and and so that gives us the idea that this is a relationship that's you know been fifteen plus years in mm-hmm. the making, um, up until Sam starts traveling through time, and I and and again, I think that it's it's one of those interesting tidbits that if the show were made today, we'd find out within the first like two episodes that that was the case oh god yeah, yeah. um that that yeah there'd be that you know we've worked together for 15 years mm-hmm. so whatever so the fact that it, it's something that gets you know thrown at us this kind of late into the game um in this show it, it, it's a nice reminder that episodic television while certainly no longer in vogue and i'm fine with that i enjoy serialized television a great deal but episodic television like this gives them the opportunity to, you know, sprinkle in some of this, this information mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think that expectation exists anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think even if you look at a show like Lost, by the time the first season was over, you knew pretty much everything you needed to know about the background of our main characters. Like, there were still flashbacks in the next couple of seasons, but they were dominated mostly by new characters. Sure, Nikki and Paolo. Hey, at least we got Desmond. We did, yes. Um, We did, brother. But but yeah, you know, but but here we are four seasons in, and and, and, and we're just now getting what is really a big piece of it. Absolutely. So here's a question for you. Early in the episode... Al is very against Sam helping Chucky. So in case you're listening to this episode and you're kind of foggy on the details, Al shows up and says, Ziggy says that, that Sam is, that Sam is there to get doc back up into the majors because doc was in the majors. He, he threw a wild pitch, hit a batter in the head, killed him because this was at a time before helmets were required. 
uh, Doc kind of took a nosedive out of that. And so Sam's mission is to uh, play this championship game and get Doc a shot back in the majors. And Sam was like, no, I'm here to help Chucky get his shot. And Al is dead set against it to the point that he hides information from Sam. And I don't, I don't think that happens very often. It does not. You're right. Um, but it, but it's but it has. I mean, it has, it's but, not, but, but yeah, we get time, we yeah. get the the funny little scene with uh, with every time Al tries to lie, Ziggy starts squealing in Al's pocket. Um, but anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Where I'm going with this? Why am I talking about this? Oh, so Al is very against him helping Chucky. Do you think Al has a total blind spot and doesn't see himself in Chucky? Chucky clear. Oh, Chucky clearly yeah. has a problem with alcohol. He is clearly a hothead, and Sam draws that parallel in the story later on. Do you think Al just has a total blind spot and doesn't remember himself that way? I don't know that it's that he doesn't remember himself that way necessarily, but I I think you're absolutely right, and I I would even argue that if you look at uh, the season finale of this coming season of, of Leap for Lisa, that that strain continues in the way that he interacts with himself in the mm-hmm. waiting room. He does not like his younger self. Okay. Oh, I never... I would, ar- I would argue that he does not like his younger self. Uh, that That's going to be an interesting discussion to get to, because I don't... I mean, yeah. yeah. I never picked that um, up. But, but, yeah. but I... But I, I maybe, that's, maybe that's going too far. It's not that he doesn't like himself, but he's very... It's fascinating because Al does not seem to have too much envy. Like, he's not standing there like, you know, like, oh, if I was, you know, if only I had that to do over again. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, like... like it's, 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 he almost looks at it as like, he's, he's at a distance from yes, himself, yeah. you know? And I think that that goes into what you're saying very well, that he is indeed perhaps a little bit like, you know, I don't, I, I don't recognize this person. I don't want to recognize this person, so... I think that uh, that there's definitely something to be said for that. Yeah. Oh, hello, hello. We have a special so, guest star. So yeah. Meanwhile, and, baby and Hattie has has, uh, has shown up. Joined us at Project Quantum Leap here. Um, she's very interested in doing Hi. I'll be meeting <laughs> you a little bit later today. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that that's a really good observation, um, and, and I think you could be absolutely right about that. Um, because even there's a quality to Al's reaction once Sam says, you know, he reminds me of mm-hmm. you. Um, that I would say borders on like disappointment. Like almost the, not that he's in denial about who he was and where he came from, but that maybe he's still much in the same way that he's still haunted by Beth in Vietnam that he's kind of haunted about the person that he became. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know if I like fully articulated it, articulated it in my head, but uh, yes, like the the look he gets on his face was like uh, it's like almost like oh, I was hoping you didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yep, that's perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting, you know, and it's funny because we do get a really, like, this episode, especially because I don't feel like we've gotten one recently, in spite of 
how much we see of him in shock theater and leap back. This is a really good Al episode. Mm-hmm. Can we get a little um, bit more information? Yeah. Uh, he was a starting pitcher. Was it in uh, basically the like Navy, the Navy League? Yeah. yeah. So he's wearing his old yeah. baseball jersey. Is there anything you haven't done? No. 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 Well, except the, the, for the twins at the twins. fitness center. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, so it's, it, again, it, it just feels like we get a very good picture into who Al is. Like this firmly establishes uh, across the board, you know, the the, the womanizer, the the, the the know-it-all. I say that affectionately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit of backstory on him, his relationship with Sam, uh, you know, his concern for his friend, I mean, et cetera. It's, 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 it's a good, it's a strong Al episode, I think. And, and Dean's great. In it. He is. I mean, it's, uh, in another version of this episode, like I almost want to see Al face his past self a little bit more, sure. but it would have been very hard with everything else they needed to do in the episode. It would have been very hard to do it without making it a very a very special episode. Well, I think that honestly, in some ways, this episode is one of those episodes that if if you know if this was done on cable tele paid cable television, this would have been one of those episodes that was like sixty two minutes long. Sure, like it's not a two parter, yeah. but it would have but it would have some extra footage. You know, like it would be a little bit longer because I think that there's this is one of those rare time not rare necessarily, but this is one of those times when an extended episode would... They could have done a little bit more. Like, yeah. there was there was some more story to tell. And I think that, you know, the, the way that they... Matt mentions in his book, in his review of the episode, he talks about how, how they don't necessarily go uh, full in with the, the alcoholism. Um, I think in some ways it almost benefits from that, though. You know, I, I think because, like you said, it doesn't delve into that territory to become a very special episode. I think that they could have done a little bit more with it, perhaps. Um, but I think if they had focused on that, they would have lost some of the other elements that are so important. In particular, I think the the father-son meeting at the end of the episode yeah. that's so strong, mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think that would have played the same way. And because that's such a beautiful, wonderfully played moment by both of those actors, um, I don't know that it would have had the same impact if they would have tried to focus on the alcoholism. I know, bit. yeah, I know. and it, I mean, I know like there are different shades of alcoholism, and uh, I'm not educated enough to fill all that out. Like, but I don't feel like I don't feel like Chucky is or Al was like an alcoholic the way we think of it. I think they were just in a um, like, especially like Chucky, like when you're in your mid twenties, like sometimes you just lean on alcohol a little bit too much and you drink too much, and, and, and yeah. yeah, but. Um, not saying that that is not a, I don't know how to find the right words. That is not a form, a not problem? a problem, like not a form of alcoholism, but not like a, you need to go into rehab to fix this problem. Like at the right. end of the episode, I, I say that to say, I can see how him being reunited with his dad and having that shift in his life. It's not like a go to rehab thing. It's a, you're slowly going to start turning your life around just because of different life circumstances. Right. Well, the thing is, is I feel like maybe one of the things that Sam picks up on is the idea that at this point, I don't think Chucky would ever show up to practice drunk. You know, he might show up hungover. Sure. But I don't think okay. he's yeah. drinking while he's working. I think that he probably did see Al drunk on the job. Yeah. You know, I think that Al probably, the, at the point that Sam, you know, intervened, was probably in that place where he had a bottle in his desk and would, you know, and have, would have a drink at 11 yeah. a.m., you know. Um, 
but I but I agree. I mean, there are there are obviously variations. I mean, sometimes it's one of those things where we're talking about binge drinking. Um, you know, sometimes it is that sort of functional alcoholism about needing a drink. You know, on a daily basis, uh, and then there are those that, that it's it's more like an hourly basis, and they can't and they can't function. You know that they're that they're chained to the bottle, and I don't think that um, I don't think that either Al or Chucky were. You know, at sure. that point, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Chucky's not. So while we're on Al, um, maybe this is a good time. Interesting to note. Uh, so I think this was like last week. Uh, one of our listeners, Diana, she was messaging us. I don't know if you saw these messages or not. I've missed so many lately, Diana. I apologize, Karen. I apologize. There have been some messages. I've not seen them recently. I was I was kind of out of commission. Earlier oh, sure. With the yeah, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, so she was talking about there's a, there's an episode in the fifth season where Al makes kind of a gross homophobic comment. Or just a gesture yes. at the idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, of course, we're going to get to running for honor here, and we, we clearly get Al's views of, on, on, on uh, gay people serving in the military. Right. So I don't know if it's necessarily homophobic, but there is... A bit of comedy in this episode. I don't know if, you're, if you know the the bit that I'm oh, talking yeah. about. I yeah, so when when they're on the baseball field and Sam tells Al that he thinks that Doc may have been may have gotten a pitch in the playoff game because he slept his way into the game, and at just that moment, Coach walks up and was like, "Hey, are you warmed up? Yeah. Are you ready to go?" And then Al makes the connection and the look that he gets on his face. I don't know if that's necessarily. A homophobic moment. It's just a uh, a twist on expectations. I would argue that Al does seem to be. I don't want to, disgusted. Might be a little too much, but he does seem to be eked out over the concept of homosexuality he doesn't seem to be like the idea to him the idea of two men being intimate is not something that that he is comfortable with I can see that yeah and this to me this scene kind of did reinforce that whereas Sam while he's quick to allay you know, any of mm-hmm. Al's maybe fears, if you will. Sam doesn't seem bothered by... Like, Sam is almost just sort of like, oh, God, Al, no, it's not that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the... You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, take that for... for yeah, for I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like, knowing these other things that happen. Like, I don't know if that's something that was being played by Dean Stockwell or if that's just something, like, you're reading into it. Or it's just, like, the change of expectations of, you know what they're talking about and then all of a sudden the coach shows up and yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's worth noting actually, Jessica and I were watching, um, one of our holiday traditions is that we always, I've mentioned this before, actually, I think on the podcast is that we always end up watching holiday episodes, themed episodes of TV, uh, of like sure. our yeah. two shows. Um, generally those tend to be friends, the office and how I met your mother. Um, and we were watching one of the Thanksgiving episodes of friends the other day and at the beginning of the episode, uh, Joey um, has just done some modeling work, and he's at the coffee shop, and he's wearing makeup. 
and all of the characters give him a hard time. And one of the things that Chandler ends up saying to him is that he couldn't, you know, that, that uh, he, he, makes, he makes a joke that I feel like today would certainly not go over well, because um, it seems very transphobic. Um, and, you know, basically, you know, not knowing, not being able to tell whether Joey's a man or a woman. Um, and, and I think the idea, um, of, of, uh, it's one of those things that we can look at it and we can say, you know, that's a little problematic Mm -hmm. by today's standards. But I think if we do it ignorant of understanding where it was coming from at the time and why it was being played for that, that laugh, um, you know, that we kind of do ourselves a little bit of a disservice. Um, and that doesn't excuse it or make it right. But I think that, again, it's, it's, it's like, well, I, don't, I, I, I guess more to the point, I'm not going to dismiss the show as a whole, these characters yeah. as a whole, these actors as a whole, these writers a wholesale because of a choice that was made in 1993 when the discussions that we're having today, you know, just were not happening. Sure. Um, so it, it's, it's problematic in so much as, man, that's, that's, that seems a little, you know, phobic yeah. there, but it's, it's not necessarily something worth dismissing wholesale. Mm-hmm. The thing, you know, the, the, the thing is like, I, um, friends was a show I never got into. I never really, uh, mm-hmm. I don't even think I've ever seen a complete episode but it's interesting the weird revival that it's having right now in pop culture. Mm. Uh, I know especially sure. like a year or two ago, a couple years ago, uh, like younger people, like teenagers and like early 20-somethings are like discovering friends and falling in love with the show. Like it's a brand new show oh, that's sure. on the air right now. But at the same time, right. I'm also seeing a lot of the criticism leveled at it that you just that you just yeah. said. But also like... Uh, almost like seeing like the argument like like no it is worth throwing the entire show out over because of those moments i don't yeah, I, I don't know, agree I with that, that but no neither do i i i think that i you know let's face it so much of that type of criticism is bullshit and it's just put up on the internet to get clicks it's you know it's 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 it's, it's some sort of hyperbolic criticism that has no basis whatsoever in any sort of artistic theory as far as i'm considered it, it's just it's 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 it, I, I hate it when that happens you know and, and it, with any program um you know or piece of entertainment like you know just because somebody did this one time now i'm gonna burn all my records or, or whatever it makes no sense to me you know because the other thing the other argument that i would love uh, you know then then use at people is to say you don't seem to understand that in 1994 to have a same-sex couple portrayed in such a positive light as was on a show like that with ross's ex-wife and and her uh partner susan mm-hmm. like that was not happening like Carol and Susan were were a, a step forward. Now we might look at it from today's vantage point and say, "Oh well, you know they they were played for laughs in this bit sure. or whatever." And it's like, well, I'm sorry. The truth of the matter is, is to a, a good deal of the public, whether right or wrong, this was the first time that they were being exposed to this. And what do we do when we feel uncomfortable about something? We usually make fun of it. And, and that's not right, you, you know, it's not right at all. But the fact that we were given such a positive display of this relationship, that eventually they got married in the show, that, you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, to discount what they were doing at the time in a positive manner because of the things that they didn't quite get right because of when it was produced. <sighs> but hey, the actress that played Carol guest starred on Quantum Leap, so <laughs> 
And then, of course, we have the Jennifer Aniston connection. Yeah. Yes, that's right. We'll get there. I was thinking about that last night, actually, when I was watching one of those episodes. But um, anyway, back to this episode. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that that is there is there is a little bit of something. Because well, yeah, we were because uh, Diana and I were messaging back and forth. Uh, we do know that Dean Stockwell brought a lot of his other beliefs into the role of Al, like particularly like his right. environmental uh his environmental views. And I know that there's a yeah. there was a previous episode we were discussing where uh you gave the impression that you're of the mind that when when Dean Stockwell was going through his uh hippy dippy days, whatever the name of the pack was that he ran around with in the in the early seventies, like, that, that yeah, you would have the impression that maybe whatever, like, you know, D Dean Stockwell had even had his own uh homosexual encounters. I mean, I don't know. I, I have, I, I have no idea, and I don't want to speculate you know, to, to throw any rumors out there. Yeah, or speculate, but I do think that you know that the that that group does not seem as though it would have been an intolerant. Group. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dennis Hopper, Russ Tamblin, yeah. you know, Dean Stockwell, and Neil Young don't seem like intolerant individuals by any stretch, or people that would be homophobes, or you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, who, but even like knows? minus those, like. It's hard to think of Dean Stockwell having those views, but then also people are a mixed bag and weird and complicated yes, and, right. and and who knows. Uh, and Al, the yeah. character, he obviously has his own problematic issues. <laughs> right. But totally. overall, pretty good guy. Pretty. He's, he's very taken with Bunny and her little negligence. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another another great moment in this episode that I love is uh, it's it's in the it's in the scene with uh, where Chucky is passed out in bed and Bunny's talking about blah 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 and the things that you do and and the way oh. Al pops in things <laughs> what things things ah uh, yeah. yes yeah, uh, that's yeah. Great. Uh, watching that episode that's one of the moments where Betsy laughed out loud at, at yeah. that there yeah no that that is that is a very good comedic moment. Uh, and it does make you, and it does make you wonder: is that was that written into the script, or was that something that, that Dean that threw just in there? Did, yeah. You know? uh, uh, so let's talk about some great Sam moments in the episode. A lot of them. I, again, I just it, one of the things that lends itself to me, in my opinion, this being such a strong episode overall, is that um, he he has. Uh, we just, I just feel like we get a lot of facets of Sam. You know, there's some comedic moments, there's some more serious moments, there's, you know, some heartfelt moments, there's uh, uh, very active moments. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's not just a bystander here. You know, the episode's not happening to him. He's definitely happening to the mm-hmm. episode. Um, My favorite moment of his in this episode, and I think I like it even more than the, than the scene with Al later on in the episode, is the scene with the dad. Yep. I was just getting when he goes to visit him and and, uh, uh, the 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 tough love that he gives at the end of the scene where he's looking at the photo album of of all the photos that the dad has of Chucky before he left the family. And Sam has a line, something like, well, you know, uh, Chucky got the raw end of this deal because you have all of this. What the hell does he got? And he kind of basically like throws the album back in his face. I was like, ah, yes, yes. I completely, completely agree, um, and I, I think that another another moment that I really liked about that scene, and it, this this happens. It's not a new thing. This has happened before, but we get that moment where um, 
Chucky's dad asks uh, Sam what his father did, mm-hmm. and and Sam answers, of course, as Sam, you know, says my father was a farmer, and I just, I don't know, I really like that, and, and again, this isn't the first time something like that has happened, there are definitely times when Sam has sort of answered as himself, as opposed to answering as whoever it is that he's left sure. into, um, and, and uh, yeah, so I just like that little moment, but I do think that the, the moment with Al, where he, you know, where he does say he reminds me of you is, is well done. Uh, and again, I think that the that when he pulls himself out of the final game, you know, at the end of the episode, yeah. is, is it's a great yeah. moment because it's like he he's he's you know he's, he's kind of taking in all of what's happening. It's like this is you know everything's exactly the same, nothing's changing. I, I've got to do something, and this is yeah. What I'm you you uh, same about this. You do a little fan wink on this. It's like Sam doesn't know how to pitch. He has one practice. Right. All of a sudden, he knows how to pitch. This may be a great yeah, argument yeah. of like we get like the unintentional mind melding. Without like spelling sure. it out. Well, because you know that's actually a great point because because Sam does have that line even like I can't believe I'm you know I'm doing this like how yeah. am I doing this and it's like you know and and, and so maybe yeah maybe yeah. this is a, a good little piece of head cannon slash yeah. Wing. So it's important to note like Sam doesn't pull himself out of the game. He pulls himself out of the pitching position, uh, and he trades right. places yes. with Chucky because they are playing exactly with nine people. Because, because. Uh, what were the name of the brothers in the episode? Um, I, I, I literally think it was like the Garcia brothers. The, the what brothers? I, aren't they like the, the Garcia, Garcia brothers, brothers or, or something? Or something yes, yeah. like that. Uh, but yeah, we, we meet them earlier in the episode. They want to bring their guitars on the bus. The coach tries to tell them no. Uh, <laughs> they bring them on the bus anyway because there's the language barrier. Uh, right. No guitaros on the El Buso. Uh, oh, I think that God. one's the racist moment of the <laughs> of the of the episode. Right. But yes, yeah. immigration officers show up. They take them, and so uh, Chucky and Sam they get to play at the end of the game because if they don't, like they can't man a team. Yeah. Uh, so that is to say, so Sam and Chucky switch places. Sam jumps into the outfield. Chucky jumps in. Um, it, it's been noted earlier in the episode. Chucky's a hell of a pitcher. He's got a hell of a fastball. Yeah. And uh and then yeah. So uh Chucky does a pretty good job well, but he does give up uh he, he does give up uh, a hit while the the batter connects with the ball. Almost almost right. gets a homer but Sam makes that leap. Yeah, like climbs the climbs cage, the cage, yes, and and he catches yeah. the the pop fly and uh that's that's how they win the game. Yeah, um, and it's you know it's it's interesting because uh, we you know we were talking about Margaret earlier, and Margaret definitely has the uh, uh, that moment where she tries to rub it in their face that the um, the scout yeah. is there, and we've known that the scout was going to be there. Like this isn't the first time we're getting that information, but it is kind of like the um, the uh, seeing him there, you know, realizing the stakes kind of firsthand. I think is is, is kind of nice right before that reminder, right before mm-hmm. the game. Um, and then, you know, when, when Chucky goes in, I think we all kind of know where this is leading, you know, or hope to know where it's leading. Uh, and it turns out that it does, you know, he ends up getting an offer to go pitch for the New York Yankees. Um, you know, he feels very bad for, uh, for Sam, for Doc. And then Doc ends up getting offered a coaching position because, uh, the, the scout talks about how smart it was for him to take himself out of the game. Uh, and so everybody kind of ends up happily ever after as far as their careers are concerned. And it's at this moment that Mr. Warren Monroe 
uh, Chucky's father walks into the locker mm-hmm. room. And the thing that's so beautiful about the way that this moment is played, not only does it have to do with, with Neil McDonough's mm-hmm. face and just to, you know, the story that he tells, but never once is anything actually said explicitly, I'm your father, or you're my dad, or this is your dad. Yeah. Nothing. These are just two guys who are going to go have a cup of yeah. coffee. And it's fucking beautiful. It is. Yeah. Yeah, cause, oh, yeah, because the scene could have been played so over the top. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I think it's great. I, I think it's just really well done. Um, and uh, we haven't really talked about the pig much, have we? I mean, what is, <laughs> what, what is there to say about the pig? The pig is there. Yeah, it's the second time. Uh, it's the second time that Sam has pig, to do it. And it seems like he doesn't come out and say it, but, like, there's something in the first scene where where Al or we're not Al where Sam kind of acknowledges that that he's he says not yeah another yeah pig. not another pig like he he's yeah. dealt with a pig before um, and then of yeah. course like he has this moment of comedy later on and then Al has a line as he's leaving he's like I think I'll have a BLT for lunch today oh God yeah <laughs> yeah no, yeah just um, too much so yeah uh, what what uh, else what else is there to say about this episode. I mean, not not much. I mean, sure, inevitably we'll we'll miss something, but uh, y- you know, for me again, it, to, it. I won't go so far as to say that this is a domestic episode. You know, it's not quite like a nuclear family or or, or or thou shalt not. But but there's something about it that feels more standard episode of the week quantum leap. And again, it doesn't have any life or death. Um, I mean, I guess you could say it kind of does. You know, I mean, he's going to drink himself yeah. to death. Um, but it doesn't, you know, he's not there to save someone's life actively, like in the moment. Um, the baseball aspect of the show isn't overplayed. It's there kind of for texture. Mm -hmm. Um, the, you know, the relationships between the characters is fine. Uh, it's, you know, there's nothing mind blowing with the exception of Chucky, uh, and our two regulars, Sam and Al, but it's just so, I just feel like it's so well done from start to finish. Um, and that Neil McDonough just, you know, kind of runs away with the episode in so many ways, um, that it, 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 for me, it earns high marks in a season that we both know is going to have some not so high marks. It's going to be interesting (laughs) to dive into this season. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I will say this, I thought this was a really strong Mm -hmm. episode in some ways. I might even argue that as an episode, it's stronger than the season. You know, yeah, send us your hate mail, but, uh, yes. I, we're not, I'm not denying the fact that Leap Back is an important episode, yeah. that, it is a, that it is a thrilling episode for a fan in many, many yeah. ways. But that, again, just as an episode, this one might Sorry, be yeah. And I will say, yeah, um, one, one thing, and this is totally looking at the show through a 2018 sensibility, it is disappointing that we, that we just hit the, we, we get the great reset button. And there is yeah. absolutely nothing, no acknowledgement of what a big damn deal the last two episodes were, and now we're just back to business as usual. Now I think in my in my head canon, you know, my my fan wink for that would be that maybe Al doesn't want to let on to Sam that any of this has happened in hopes that Sam doesn't. Oh, absolutely, any of it. yeah. But I but I completely agree. It is too bad. Um, you know, the the leap out um, is interesting because I do think that the next episode is is is. Uh, in my memory, anyway, is as equally as strong as this episode. 
um, which is Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam has leapt into a, a sheriff, and he's carrying a cat, and there are two women scurrying out of a house, and then one of them utters the words Hurricane, and Sam kind of freaks sure, out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've got fond memories, actually, of Hurricane. Um, it's, it's one that I, I, I've seen a few more times, maybe, than some other okay. episodes. Um so I'm really looking forward to to, to hitting that one yeah. next week. Uh, yes, I'm interested because some of the things I remember about that episode are a little over the top, maybe a little problematic. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I haven't seen like honestly, I haven't seen it in probably a good four years. Here. Same so, here. So yeah. So I, I know that it, it's one that for whatever reason I, I had on mm-hmm. tape from the USA days when I was taping it when I was in high school. So I feel like I revisited it a few times then. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that I've not seen in a while. So uh, it'll yeah. be interesting. But, but overall, uh, for me, yeah, play ball is definitely a win. What about, what about um, you? I appreciate it more now having did had I, this conversation. <laughs> uh, and, it, and I will agree, uh, looking ahead at some of the, the, the episodes we have in the first part of the season, it's probably one of the stronger episodes of the first part of the season. Um, sure. But yeah, those are those are my thoughts. Listeners at home, you're missing out on a great show. I'm watching. I'm watching <laughs> Sam entertain Hattie here. At one point, she was tangled up in Daddy's headphones, and he was getting them untangled. <laughs> and now he's he's just dancing her around to, to keep her to keep her placated. And now we're we're making googly eyes at each other through the Google Hangout here. <laughs> we should start doing a video version it's of this. Yeah, right? Throw it up on Throw it up on, yeah, just... Uh... Well, I've... You know, it's... I have to be honest with you. The, the this past, We did kind of a cold open. Now we can do a little cold close, I guess. But this past week has been thrilling for me as a dad just because I feel like I've gotten to spend so much more time with Hattie than I have at any time in the past maybe, you know, month yeah. or so because I've, I've been pretty busy at work. We, you know, throughout late October we had a show, so I was at the theater a little bit more often. I've had a few late nights because, you know, we're, we're getting ready to do our big Christmas, uh, Christmas show. We had uh, some events that I had to go to, so there were some, you know, some 12- and 13-hour days, and I, you know, I'd get home and she'd be asleep, and I'd see her maybe for half an hour in the morning or something. Yeah. But this past week, um, you know, I've had basically like five or six days off, so uh, it's been pretty great to be able to, to just spend so much time with her. And, you know, we've been... We've been playing and singing songs, and she is she is on the verge of crawling. Oh, that's um, awesome. She's figuring it out. Uh, pretty sure she's got a couple teeth coming in, so she's starting the to the teething. Oh yes, uh, yeah. But she's but she's uh, she's pretty great. The funny thing is is that um, she, we for the past few weeks we've been doing this thing where you know we're working on her sitting skills, and now instead of sitting up, all she wants to do is stand. So she won't go, she doesn't like go up on her butt. Now she has to go all the way up on her feet. And so it's pretty, <laughs> yeah, is that right? But, uh, yeah, it's, so it's, it's been a good awesome. week. It's been a good week. Very cool. Well, looking forward to meeting her again uh, here, here yeah, in a couple hours. Absolutely. So we're going we're gonna to have dinner. In the meantime, all of you wonderful listeners and fans of our favorite television program, Take care of yourselves. We hope everyone had a very happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate the mm-hmm. holiday. Um, we hope you're indulging in this time of year in general, just because it's a wonderful, beautiful time of year. And um, I know that it's one of my favorite times of year. Yeah. So. Excellent. And then, yeah, thank you for listening. And then we will see you next week 
for Hurricane. That's right. Hurricane. All right. Take care, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at www.quantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. I want to stay, I want